Warning, you are about to listen to the masters of the obvious. But to be honest, they aren't masters of shit. It's just my mom and her dumbass friend. So if you like interviews, nerdy stuff, and bad puns, you're going to want to listen to this. Welcome to the third episode of Masters of the Obvious. I'm Kirsten Bozio. And I'm Cynthia Rose. On today's pod, we have an interview with comic book writer extraordinaire, Kelly Sue DeConnick. She said, we're her best friends now. We talk about mistaken identities, Captain Marvel, and her visible woman initiative. And Kirsten and I discuss DC nerd news and whatever the hell we want to. You can't stop us. But first, we'd like to remind you to go to mastersoftheobvious.com. We have a ton of merch for sale. And if you'd like to support this pod by buying our shirts, mugs, hoodies. And holographic stickers. Well, we really appreciate you. And hey, your mom was right. They are jealous of you. (laughs) And you can check that out and show your support at mastersoftheobvious.com. Hey, Kirsten. Oh my God, what? Episode three, baby. How are we already at three? I don't know. It feels like a hundred. What the <laughs> hell have you been up to? I've been having a terrible time doing this podcast with you as well. I have been hating my life ever since I bought a microphone. Does it ever stop? <laughs> it's never ending. <laughs> yeah, I've been been watching some stuff i've been i just now got around to watching the defenders yeah that's not new but uh are you liking it it's new to me um i finished all of it in two nights so you liked it i don't know (laughs) (laughs) jury's out it's it's such a complicated thing because i love them in the comics Okay. I especially love Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. I mean, it was enjoyable at times. I just, I guess I was taken off guard because I, I knew Iron Fist. I knew the guy playing Danny Rand was annoying, but I didn't, I wasn't prepared for how annoying he was. Yeah, I think that, the, I think you hit the nail on the head there. That guy is, that, and the show wasn't unwatchable. I probably could have hung in there, but like that guy, I just did not care for. Um, So, Anything else you've been watching? Anything noteworthy? Uh, I also watched Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. I don't know what that is, but I want to know what that is because that name is delicious. Such a meaty name. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it was it was books by Douglas Adams of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's very whimsical, very just fucking bonkers. It's got Elijah Wood in it. Oh. And in the second season, it has Alan Tudyk in it. Mm. So it is a goddamn nonstop delight. I finish it, and then I find out that Max Landis, the creator, is a sexual predator. Oh, that's fun. Max Landis, son of John Landis. Son of John Landis. God, he really milked that nepotity for all it's worth. Yeah, 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 yeah. He sure did. So well, he's not getting any work. <laughs> but the show was good. 
the show was fun. So like, if you want to watch it, watch it, but definitely self-flagellate afterwards, knowing what you know now. Yeah. Yeah. It's good advice. It's good advice. Yeah. So, oh, uh, speaking of Jessica Jones, rewind. I didn't say anything about Dirk Gently. I don't support sexual predators. Um, Jessica Jones had David Tennant. David Tennant is in Good Omens, which I also started recently. Oh, how is that? Oh, my God. So good. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's David Tennant at his most Doctor Who-y. Cute. Yeah. And I always like a little, like, a little spice. I like when Tennant's a little spicy, like when he was the bad guy in Harry Potter. I like it. I like it. Like bad boy Tennant. Um, I'm still watching the Harley Quinn cartoon. Oh, my gosh. If I could turn back time. Oh, share. You don't have to. Just rewatchy. But I hope that you savor that delicious morsel for as long I'm as you can. I'm really, really excited. And I, I, I am savoring it. it is, it's excellent. I, you know what I'm actually want to talk about is the fact that I know people who have tickets for New Mutants. Like, they're going to the theater. No way. Really? Yes. I know people who are actually going to the theater. And I, there's, there's theaters that are open? Wow. I, I wonder if there's a correlation between the cases and things being open. Yeah, it's just, it's whatever. It's it's whatever it is. I'm not judging. I know they probably listen to this podcast. I'm judging. Well, if you're, if you're not, be mad at me. Um, so yeah. So anyway, I, I watched, I watched a few other things. I watched High Score on Netflix and it was, it was. Oh, High Score musical? <laughs> That's your basketball. No, the High Score, the history of video games. It was cute. It was cute. But so is it by the same people who did the toys that made us? I don't know. It's uh, it's not as engaging as those. I do enjoy those other ones more, maybe because I actually like collect toys. You're a different kind of loser. Oh, I'm a special <laughs> kind of stupid. <laughs> but like I, I, it was engaging. Like they, they had um, they did like these weird things where they uh, took the people from that time and kind of dressed them up like they were in that time with like with fake mullets and did like fake videos of it's really like they did some cheesy, funny things. Like it was very tongue in cheek and the stories that they told were funny and the animations that they, you know, they told the story of the ET video game and they told, talked about pitching it to Steven Spielberg and they did a little like eight, eight bit animation of Steven Spielberg, like looking and playing the video game. It's cute. It's, it's cute. It's cute. Wait, I didn't realize that he actually played the video game and he still approved it. Yes. Steven Spielberg. Anyway, it was good. It was good. I recommend it. Max actually sat down and watched it with us. It was cute. I love that. Family bonding. Family bonding. Do you want to get into some nerd news? Do I ever? Do we want to do a DC nerd news? Wow. I mean, we kind of have to. It dominated the news this week. I mean, they really like came out guns a-blazing. The Marvel nerd in me is quaking. So, um, do we talk about... I don't want to talk about him. He, he who I have must an not in- be named. Okay, I have an intro for him. Let me just do his intro and then we can All talk right. about him. Just when you thought it couldn't get any worse than Michael Bay. Presenting... Edgelord Michael Bay with all new right wing propaganda and sexist tropes. Sex Snyder. <laughs> that actually sounds like a, a James Gunn movie. Edgelord. <laughs> Edgelord and racist raccoon. 
Edgelord. So Zack Snyder's, uh, his Justice League trailer came out. It was set to Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. <laughs> because what? Because these fucking assholes are like, Hallelujah, here's our fucking treat. We bitched enough. Hallelujah. First of all, Leonard Cohen is spinning in his grave. What a circle jerk, man. What a total fucking... Ugh. Anyway... The trailer has a lot of uh, new scenes that weren't included in the original 2017 movie. There's no specific release date yet. And there's also no good reason why they're doing this. I said it before and I'll say it again. This is the same guy that did Batman vs. Superman. Why do we think that his cut would be any better than the garbage that he's given us in the past? I really feel like that's a mic drop moment. I mean, okay, so it's coming out on HBO Max, which I know I've been singing their praises, but now I'm not too excited about them. Anyway, HBO Max 2021, four one-hour-long installments of garbage. HBO must have, like, the corner on DC or Warner Brothers. Maybe. I, I just don't, I don't understand what the appeal is at all. Because I saw Batman versus Superman. Did you see mm-hmm. Batman versus Superman? Unfortunately, yes. Mm-hmm. Did you see um, Sucker Punch? <laughs> did i ever because oh, my favorite movie sucker punch hard pass he really thinks that like making female action heroes like just cramming them into the same mold as male action heroes makes them appealing somehow don't forget to put a tiny little pleated skirt on them though don't forget mm. the tiny pleated skirt because that's how girls imagine themselves when they're you know drunk <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. When they're all drugged up, they always imagine themselves as sex dolls. I sure do. Again, he can nail the visuals. I'm not going to say it's not visually beautiful because it is, but just fails when it comes to a plot line. It's horrible. It's horrible. Anyway, moving on. Wait, not moving on. Oh, fuck. I have to tell you my favorite little tidbit about Zack Snyder. Okay, okay, okay. I'm all yours. Okay. So I'm also not a fan of the movie 300. Okay. My favorite quote from a critic said that the movie was what a Nazi propaganda film would look like (laughs) if it had been drawn by Tom of Finland. I have never heard such an accurate description of any movie ever. I would like to shake that man's hand. Oh, man. I would do more. I would do more for that man. Anyone anyone who wants to trash on Zack Snyder with me, you're my best friend. And fuck buddy. Uh, if you don't have anything nice to say about Zack Snyder, come sit next to me. We got a sneak preview of the new Batman with our pod favorite, Robert Pattinson, <laughs> batting down the hatches. <laughs> All right. So we got Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. We got Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon. We got Pattinson as the bat. What did you think of the trailer? I think he looked exactly like um, Tobey Maguire when he was evil in Spider-Man and he had the bangs in his face. That makeup, man, that was so good with his emo makeup. Mm. I just, you know, Tobey Maguire ran, like walked so that Pattinson (laughs) could run. (laughs) It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love Love Jeffrey. I love Jeffrey Wright. I love Zoe Kravitz. And I have a newfound love for Robert Pattinson after doing this podcast. So we got a... uh, do we care? I do you care? I kind of thought it was cool. Did the Suicide Squad kill the Justice League reveal for the game that's coming out in 2022? Okay, so the concept is cool. Yeah. It's, it looks beautiful. It does look beautiful. 
it, and it does look fun. There is a lot of great characters. It's snarky. In it. It's silly. Um, I think the the title's cute. What didn't you like about it? Uh, that it looked hard and I brought the plates. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm, to be perfectly honest, I'm not gonna, I tried to play the Arkham game. I tried to play a few other things. I, I, I'm not to say that I can't. It's just that I've played all, I'm your playing fe- all these. Your feeble woman mind can't handle like it. my tiny, tiny baby hands. But the thing is, is that I'm so used to playing these Lego games with my son on the Xbox and they're so fun mm-hmm. that when I actually like get into these harder games, I'm like, but it's less fun. <laughs> so... So that's, that's going to be a good time. And it's going to be on PlayStation 5. The weird... gonna, yeah, Xbox X, PlayStation 5, and PC. Man, I'm so excited to see what PlayStation 5 in person because those things are wacky. Um, We got a new Wonder Woman trailer. We got the reveal of Cheetah. Ugh. I love Kristen Wiig. Ugh, if you don't love Kristen Wiig, I got words for you. I got two fists for you. I got, I got, <laughs> I got the Andrew sisters right here. I got <laughs> and I got Bing Crosby over here. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to sing you some sweet Christmas music. Oh, I got old blue eyes over here. I'm getting ready to give you some old black eyes. So we got the most delicious, the Suicide Squad teaser boy we did we got it and we were eating it up let's erase suicide squad with this delicious morsel please sir i'd like some more yeah i love that they didn't call it suicide squad 2 they're like you know what oh fuck you a redo (laughs) um the producer peter saffron Mm -hmm. called it a total reboot and not a sequel you mean a total fuck you? We are erasing Jared Leto. We are rewinding. Bloop, bloop, bloop. We're talking about the Suicide Squad. That, that should have been the name of the, of the movie, Erasing Jared Leto. We're erasing Jared Leto. It's done. We're doing the Suicide Squad. We got an amazing reveal of the cast and the characters that they're playing. So we, we knew we knew who the cast was. We got a little tri- we got a little like teaser of that on James Gunn's Twitter a little while back. But now we know who they're playing and we've seen them in, we've seen them in costumes and it's bananas can can i reveal my favorite casting yes <laughs> are you ready fuck i'm so ready um fucking flula yes flula borg as javelin oh god i was so excited to see that so excited see the most delightful thing about james gunn is that he really he really takes you by surprise with his casting. He, can, I mean, obviously you'll see some familiar faces from James Gunn movies like Michael Rooker and Sean Gunn, his brother, yeah. and Steve Agee. But then you've got like Peter Cabaldi, who we were just talking about as the thinker, and John Cena. Oh, John Cena <laughs> but as douchey Captain As the America. Invisible Man. <laughs> you right? can't see him. It's just so much, so much goodness. And so just... Nathan Fillion. Yes, Nathan Fillion and Pete Davidson. I'm excited to see Nathan Fillion in something that's not Joss Whedon and not Castle. <laughs> and then we've got Idris Elba as Bloodsport. As Bloodsport and not as Deadshot like he was originally cast to play. He was supposed mm-hmm. to take over for Will Smith, but they're holding on to Deadshot for a future movie that Will Smith may come back to. I love that. And then Storm Reed. From Wrinkle in Time, play, playing his daughter. Yes, in the movie. so good. And we don't know much about the character that that she's playing. It's just, it's really just 
jam packed full of goodness. I'm so excited. It's really, really fun. I'm, I don't like to keep my hopes up about things, but, um, Mr. Gunn, I don't, I don't think he's going to let me down. I think this is going to be great. Has he done anything that's really let us down? He used to do like trauma, right? Holy fucking shit. Did James Gunn do trauma movies? That's how I got to start. I didn't even fucking know that. That's why I thought it was funny that anyone would be surprised that he was really edgy back in the day when that's literally how he got his start. Jesus Christ. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Tromeo and Juliet was him. <gasps> that's my favorite trauma movie. Are you fucking kidding me? I will bring up one bit of non-DC news. And again, it's our fucking buddy, Zack Snyder. He has a Netflix movie called Army of the Dead and it's completed shooting. It had, you know, it's been in post. It's got a 2021 release date, but they're doing reshoots. Of course. Of course they are. They're doing reshoots because of the sexual misconduct accusations made against the turd. Christy Ella, I believe is how you say it. So that turd is being replaced by Tig Nataro. Which you couldn't find a better person. What a fucking delightful little morsel and you've you've listened to her show under a rock with tig it's so good the whole concept is that they bring people onto the show that who are famous like james vanderbeek and melissa joan hart because she doesn't consume a lot of media she doesn't know who they are and she has to figure out through they should bring uh they should bring chris onto that show (laughs) then that that's catch a predator (laughs) why has tig a child Oh, but she could dress like Chris Hansen. I bet she could she could dress up like a like a 13-year-old boy. I think she could pass. Honestly, that's most lesbians. They look okay. like 13-year-old boys. Fair enough. Fair enough. Love it. Oh my god, is that the end of the DC-ish DC-esque? Don't D- ever make me talk about DC again. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever make me say the name Zack Snyder. Because yeah, we're talking about anything cinematic. You know, DC, it's going to be about him. And I just want to fucking take a long shower afterwards. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a great idea. I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to fucking watch some Harley Quinn. Oh, my God, it's more DC. Um, <laughs> I'm going to call it my buddy King Shark. And he can eat me into a wall. <laughs> the presenting sponsor of Masters of the Obvious is us. us. Producing a podcast is expensive, but you can turn our frowns upside down. And I can afford a hash brown. Mastersoftheobvious.com has all your Motopod merch needs. Are shirts required for your Zoom meetings? Get those tits out of my face. (laughs) Wish you could wear us, but not hear us? Are you tired of these ad spots? Yes. Well, we have the perfect place for you. Mastersoftheobvious.com. Buy merch, be a hero to these needy nerds. We have an amazing guest on the podcast. We've been so excited to have her and a little bit nervous. We're both caffeined out and very shaky and hummingbirdy, but she's very pleasant. Um, we have Kelly Sudaconic. She has written my personal favorite comic book, Bitch Planet, Pretty Deadly, Captain Marvel, and Aquaman, among other things. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. We were like really excited you said yes. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the whole reason we did a podcast. So thanks. <laughs> I'm like, you know who I know. And she's like, shut up. And I'm like, well, we have a podcast. <laughs> and then I fucked up and stood you guys up because I'm so awful. I, that was the worst 
because it was just dumbassery. It wasn't like, there was no, there was no like, oh, I got really busy or I had a really important phone call. It was like, nope, I was here. I was just doing shit. I don't know. It was quarantine brain. Uh, and I was so embarrassed. While you were fucking off, I was crying quietly to Leslie Gore. <laughs> when I was, and then like, I would like, it was like, I didn't know who to be mad at, right? Because it's my fault. Um, but I was like, I wanted to be mad at, uh, at, uh, my assistant, which is completely not fair uh, <laughs> at all. And I, I was like, well, you know, he should have called me. And he, and he was like, well, uh, I messaged you on Slack. I was like, I had that closed. I mean, like, it was just, <laughs> yeah. There are smoke signals. You're like, well, <laughs> yeah, I had incense burning. What do you want? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just saw on your Instagrams that your family has been doing gish. We did do gish. Yes. Is that your, is this your first year? Yes. Oh my God. I think the first time I did it was like 2012, maybe. Wow. Yeah. That's such a nerdy thing to be into. Well, we didn't. No. So, so I do this thing called, um, bitches get shit done, which is this, uh, texting list. Um, and so, uh, so there's a, there's a phone number that it's 503-738-1029. And if you text that number, you can text BGSD, uh, to get put on the bitches get shit done list, or you can text milk fed to get put on the milk fed list and the bitches get shit done list i text i don't know two or three times a week if it's a really good week i'll text five times a week um but mostly not and they're usually like back when i started doing it like four years ago at this point it was like productivity stuff like hey hey quit quit surfing the internet get do your fucking work um then it kind of morphed and now in um in quarantine it has been like a lot of self-care messages <laughs> and a lot of I love like that. let's just take care of ourselves and each other. So it's a it's a kind of softer, gentler that just gets shit done. But um but so those text messages that is a real phone number and that I get real messages that I read. And so I get on every morning and I go through the birthdays on the list and I go wish everybody happy birthday. And then I'll, I'll try to pick a few to answer. I can't remember the question. One of the questions had been like, you know, tell me some things that, that you're looking forward to or some things that are like, you know, what's buoying your spirits right now. And somebody said Gish. And I was like, like, like Lillian Gish, like, <laughs> I don't, I'm like, she's been dead for a long time, but okay. Is there a movie thing, maybe? <laughs> Cynthia uh, thought it was the Smashing Pumpkins album. Yeah. Just showing uh, your age, Cynthia. <laughs> uh, and she was, uh, she was like, no, no, no. It's this scavenger hunt thing. And I was like, I fucking love scavenger hunts. <laughs> um, and then, so it was like, so I just like basically signed us up for it without knowing what it was or what I was doing. But, um, but like, I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, and then I found out a little bit more about what it was. And so immediately bullied a bunch of other parents, uh, that I know into doing it. Um, and we had a blast, but the funniest thing was that the whole thing was like, you know, I sent this note about you know, the, the ideas to get our kids in, involved in some, in some projects that we can all do together. The kids sort of half gave a shit parents. <laughs> lost our minds we were like oh. i i'm i'm like 
uh, making Sasquatch out of salt. And like, yeah, it was just like, like, you know, an hour before the cutoff, I'm, I'm trying to get, how many more of these can I get in? I was like, why? We're not going to win. We're not trying to win. What are we? It's such a good way to flex your creative skills too. So it's a lot of problem solving, but it's like, it has a deadline to get it done quickly. Um, so I ended up feeling bad because I felt like. I didn't do, I I was the one that bullied everybody into it. And then I didn't do as many as everybody else. But then, uh, but then somebody on the team explained to me that that's leadership. And I was like, oh yes, (laughs) solid leadership. uh, And Tallulah just amused the shit out of me because she has this friend, Michael, who's amazing. And uh, Michael's like an ex-Marine Corps pilot and also a model and she's just like, how are you real human? And so it's like, you know, she does, we have a a lot of her modeling pictures. I'm like, you know, pretend like you're Michael. And then T launched into a perfect Michael Caine impression. What? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which I was just like, I love a 10 year old with a Michael Caine impression. Yes. Mm, Yes. It's good stuff. It's like the moment when we had adopted a dog and Riot was maybe five years old and we're like, what should we name? What should we name her? And uh, Riot's like, what about Brenda Frazier? <laughs> <laughs> How do you know who Brenda Frazier is? Perfect. Check, please. There it is. <laughs> yes. So what else have you been doing during quarantine? Any projects or reading anything, watching anything? Uh, playing a lot of Animal Crossing. Oh, yeah. Do you um, play with Brie Larson? I don't play with Brie Larson. <laughs> I play with my mother-in-law. Aww. I play Aww. with my mother-in-law who lives with us. She's 71, 72, 71, I think. And we have a little island together. And I don't have as much time to play as she does. And so she go, She signs on during the day and does all of our chores. So she goes around <laughs> and shakes all the trees. Again, you're great at delegating. <laughs> yes, yeah, right? True leadership. <laughs> and then I come in in the evening and do all of the fun stuff. <laughs> um, oh, and we're part of a, a turnip hedge fund. There's a, a friend of ours is a mathematics professor at a uh university locally and he runs a, 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 a turnip hedge fund and so we give him our bells and he invests <laughs> them in turnips for us so cute uh, oh my god there's something so pure about animal crossing it's so good and i feel like you kind of get all your dark fantasies out in sims but then all your light fantasies out in yeah. animal crossing this is yeah this is I only play two video games. I play Animal Crossing and I play a really embarrassing game on my phone that I'm not even going to name. How about that? Ha ha ha. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, it's uh, my, my, my son was like, oh, that game's not cool. <laughs> I was like, oh. shut up. It's the farmer's only dating app. Yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Legit, because uh, uh there are a lot of Kelly Sue's in the country who don't know their email addresses. I get, I have a lot of stories about getting other <laughs> Kelly Sue's emails. Uh, and, uh, and there was a, there was a Kelly Sue who was really trying to find love. And, uh, and she was an older Kelly Sue and she was really interested in older men and farmers. 
Oh, yes. And so I used to get a lot of her stuff. There's a couple of stories of, of other Kelly Sue's that are like, there was one where I had to call her landlord and tell him like, um, she's put, so her email address was the one on, on the out, but somehow reply, the reply to address in her settings. And I don't even know how the fuck she did this. <laughs> somehow the reply to address was my address. So she would email someone and then they would reply to me. Uh, so I knew way the fuck more than anyone should know about someone else's lifestyle brand. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, I had, to, I had to call her landlord and be like, this, I need you to tell her that I have all her email. All her email. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, like, go into the reply to field and delete my address. <laughs> so I love that. That's great. You know, I get a there's a lot of Cynthia Roses too, and I get a lot of different people's emails. And it's most of the time it's uh it is dating apps. Yeah. And I'm always wondering if it's just someone punking me, like setting me up, like signing me up for a dating app, or right. if it's just some somebody named Cynthia Rose somewhere that's really upset that they're not getting any replies. Man, I've gotten like dating apps. I've gotten uh, that one story I just told you. I was in her Craigslist reply to field. Oh, um, and so yeah, so and then uh, I've I've gotten uh, bank statements. Um, oh. I have gotten, yeah, uh, I've gotten, uh, pizza receipts, uh, furniture purchase receipts. And then the, the, maybe of all of those, the saddest one is job application stuff. Mm. Where mm. Like if you don't know your email, you're maybe not ready to work in the contemporary job environment. I don't know. They were like a, applying at Google. <laughs> <laughs> What's the problem? Homeland Security job. (laughs) (laughs) Any shows or comic books that you've been indulging in? I haven't had extra time really at all. I have had less time than usual. It's not as bad right now, but in the beginning of quarantine, I was dead on my feet, slammed because we were suddenly homeschooling. Mm. You know, or not homeschool, distance learning. We were fucking homeschooling. And that's not the teacher's fault. The teachers were doing the best that they could. But, you know, it was was a full-time job to handle that. Plus my other two full-time jobs. Plus we have folks that work for us to help us run our company who were not able to work here anymore. So Mm. they can still do some of the work remotely, but not much. But because we were continuing to be paid, we felt they should be continued to be paid. We don't want yeah. to lay off anyone into a global pandemic. So we had to keep our income at the same level, but we didn't have the help that we had had Yikes. before. So um, I, I feel you on that too, because I used to have an assistant and people come in to help me with orders and product shots and all that was just gone. <laughs> And and what's funny is that when you do work from home, it seems like people in those positions have been slammed because now they're having all these projects to do that, you know, didn't, they didn't have time for and people didn't expect them to do. And and I don't, I want to be very careful that 
I am healthy and happy and well, as is my family, as is my mother-in-law, who is in that high-risk category and lives in our home. And I have a beautiful house. If you're going to be trapped somewhere, I'm very happy to be here. I'm a homebody anyway, you know? So I am not suffering at all. Uh, And there are many people who are paying a very high price for this. So I just want to be very clear that I I am not not whining, not fussing. Um, my life is super good. I was just at the beginning, very, very busy. So when a, a lot of people found themselves with extra time on their hands, I had kind of the opposite experience. But I think things have evened out a bit. And there have been, this is also sort of sticky to talk about because you don't want to, you don't want to be disrespectful of the suffering that's happening right. around you right. to be like, but oh here there are silver linings and you know um yeah and like people are losing their livelihoods people are losing their savings people are losing their lives but I have found this time to be a wake-up call for what is really important and where my attention needs to be and what security really is and also an, an opportunity to be there for my children in really important ways. Um, and things I, I, had it not been for the pandemic, I don't think I would have known the organizational problems that my son was having in school, you know, um, because he's super capable and super articulate. So I didn't realize, you know, his grades are great. His teachers love him. I didn't realize that he was having some issues that I could help with, right? Um, totally. I don't know. And the kids are, this generation has a, uh, collective trauma now and you got to keep that in perspective too because it's you know it's like okay yes it sucks you can't go play with your friends you're not fucking Anne Frank okay you know so it's all everything just seems to be about finding balance um but there there's definitely been some really important forced slowing down and forced contemplation of priorities um for which I am inc- incredibly grateful I definitely see that there is a lot of introspection and a lot of analyzing going on. I mean, especially on a social level with like the Black Lives Matter movement and us being very aware of where we are economically and how many people fell through the cracks just because there is no, you know, support, like a security net for anybody when this happened. I I hope that we learn something from it and it's not just like a blip on the radar. The fact that we, there's never been a time in our history, I don't think, when the, the, the fact that we attach our health care to labor mm-hmm. has been made more clearly obscene. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's this just, it's a, it's a vile practice. The priorities are all out of whack. Yeah. <laughs> I said it was going to be a happy light podcast, but, but in the same vein, this also um, leads me to another uh, a topic that I had on my list about, um, I saw you talking about the 2016 election, how you kept Tallulah really um, roped in. I did the same thing with Riot. They're similar ages, just because you just had no doubt that it was going to be a historic win, um, a, a woman president, and then it just kind of went to shit. And at the time, I think, you, were you working on or, or was Bitch Planet already out? Bitch Planet was already out. And in fact, we were already in the second arc of Bitch Planet, almost done with it. We had an issue came out the day before election day. Um, And, or 
day after election day is a Tuesday, right? New comic day is a Wednesday. It must have been, it was either yeah. the day before or the Wednesday after. Mm-hmm. Um, we had we had a book out that week. And it just uh, hit really close to home. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it was, it was, uh, you know, I walked around in a fog for a few days. Um, and I was trying to figure out, I don't even, I, it was probably longer than a few days, but I was trying to figure out what I was feeling. And I finally realized, oh, this is grief. I'm grieving. You know, I'm grieving a lot of naive ideas I had about what our country was and what it stood for and what it was capable of. I'm grieving this future with this lady president that I was so excited to see. And I'm grieving this moment for my daughter, you know, just, there were so many things. uh, And I was like, oh, 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 okay, this is grief. Okay, what do you do with grief? And then, because this is how I think, I was like, there must be a book. And I remembered that when I was in college, I, re- I remember my um, my Italian professor had a poster of Robert Kennedy that had a, an Aeschylus line on it. And I'd asked him about it. And he had told me that, yeah, when JFK was killed, Bobby turned to Aeschylus to deal with his grief. And I, and like some, at some place in my brain, I had like, oh, if you're grieving, you should read the Greeks. Uh, so then, so then like, you know, all these years later, I'm like, oh, I'm, I, this is grieving. This is grieving. I should probably read the Greeks. Um, when you greet, you, when you're, when you're grieving, you're Greekin. Yeah, it's a good, <laughs> you should be a professor. Oh, uh, I have an eighth grade education. <laughs> nailed it. Um, so yeah, so then I just kind of threw myself into reading classical literature and and also biographies of the Kennedys because somehow that might help. I don't know, um, but it <laughs> did it, it did it did help actually. Um, the, the biographies of the Kennedys less so, but the uh, uh, the Greeks did help. It helped. Because while on the one hand, it was frustrating to see that humanity has been dealing with a lot of these same problems over and over and over again for literally centuries, if not millennia, it was also comforting to know, you know, there were other cultures that went through this and got through this. Totally. And, and, you know, there were a lot of folks around me who were in sort of different stages of kind of falling apart. And I had a concern that... It's like, you know, nothing has even happened yet. So don't expend that energy because you're going to, we're going to need it. There's, there's going to be fights ahead. We all knew what was coming. And I don't even think we, even then we grasped just how awful (laughs) it would be. The cover, and this is great for a podcast where you can't see things. um, But, uh, (laughs) but the cover that came out was that one. The vote uh, one. The, I, I will tell you a, it's not a funny story. It's a sad story, but I will try to make it not incredibly sad. But um, publishers are limited on the number of books that they can submit for Eisner's. And so a lot of people don't know that you can submit your own stuff. Uh, and so we generally submit anything of our own that qualifies 
you know, unless we're, <laughs> unless it's something where we're like, well, that's not very that. <laughs> but, um, uh, but if, you know, if we're proud of it, we'll submit it. Cause why not? But the year that Val did the political covers, the year that Val did the volume two covers of Bitch Planet, which I really feel are some of the best comic covers I've ever seen. He is so extraordinary. He's, and he's the nicest man in the world. Like, I just love him. Their family is so great. They came to visit us. They stayed with us and our kids all got along. And Lula mm. plays Roblox with Miles. Um, and it's just like, oh, it's the greatest thing in the world. Anyway, the year that that those would have qualified, we forgot to submit anything. Oh, we none of our books that year. Wow. Um, and I, I, and I, I really, I wrote, I had to write to him and apologize because it was like, dude, you really deserved a nomination for this. And I feel like that was my fault that I just didn't get it handled. And he was gracious because of course he was, but yeah, incredible, incredible artist, incredible human being. I'm very lucky. They're, they're just, ugh, they spoke to me. I just, I, I don't even know how many copies I bought at this point and just given away. Uh, I love it so much. Issue 11 is done. Issue 11 is a standalone. Uh, the arc that go, that's 12 to um, 15 is not done, but it's just, it's hard to write in this. It's hard to write this particular book. This, this particular book is always hard to write. It is especially hard to write right now because the real world keeps one-upping everything. <sighs> Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, it's like, you are now more villainous than our villain. Ugh. Villain dudes. I couldn't, I couldn't write a better villain. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also more, more ludicrous. Like I write a satire, like weep for the satirists because you <laughs> like, ugh. anyway, ugh. anyway, anyway. I cannot get over how, I don't even know if it's because you, if you had a premonition or what, but just like the parallels that were drawn between, you know, lock her up and then having a locked up female president yeah. in your, in your comics. That was so wild to me. Yeah. I would, uh, I would like for that book to be a lot less relevant would be great. Um, yeah. People will sometimes ask me to sign it for their kids and like, you know, like, you know, just, so-and-so's not old enough to read it yet, but will you sign it for them? And I'm like, yes, dear friend, I hope this is utterly irrelevant by the time you read it. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think this also ties in pretty well with um, your activism. You kind of touched on that you have like a texting, the bitches getting shit done. Uh-huh. That's not so much, it's, it's more for encouragement and support, but Visible Women is... I think I, I think I pulled a quote for this. All right. So the hashtag of visible women on Twitter was to disabuse folks of the notion that women comic book artists are rare to get eyes and get eyes on said artists and get them to work basically. Right. Yeah. Is it a a networking thing or how does that work? So a lot of very well-meaning, lovely male colleagues kind of got into the practice of reaching out to me when they wanted uh, to hire a woman or collaborate with a, a woman on one of their books, and you would hear things like, you know, I need a, a 
women that can do a superhero style or whatever style. And like, and there just aren't very many, you know, I was like, yeah, there are. Um, like, and you just sort of felt like that whole, like, yes, I have binders full of women, you know? Like, <laughs> yep. And so it, it, so it was just like this weird thing. And, and like one of my, a comic book dude that I will not name, but I, I'm a great admirer of his work. And, and I mean, I like him as a person, but it was backstage at a show. Um, I got introduced to him and, you know, it was super psyched. And he said some things to me about my books that indicated that he'd actually read them, you know, which, which everybody's like, oh, I love your work. Right. And you like, don't test them because they haven't actually read it. Right. Right. And, and it, that's this like polite thing that every, all, all comics pros are behind on their reading. And if they, if, if they feel confident that they have specifically read your work, they'll make it clear, you know, but you don't, you know, you don't like, oh, which volume did you like? <laughs> don't do that. So this guy says to me um, a couple of things about, uh, I don't remember I, if it was Captain Marvel or Avengers Assemble, but it was, one of the, it was one of the Marvel books. And he says a few things about it that like indicate, oh no, he's actually read it. Um, and I was like, oh, like, you're so psyched, you know? And then he said, yeah, most women can't write superheroes. <sighs> I don't know why. But you can. Um, and it was just like, ah, oh. this is like what we were talking about before with, uh, you know, you're the you're the best girl that I've seen do this. You should never compare anyone, but especially don't compare women. It's not a compliment if they say you're, you're not like other girls. Like, it's yeah. never a compliment. Yeah. And it was just it was just like, ah, oh, dude. I like you and I would like to keep liking you. And he you know, thought he really gave you a compliment. He really did. And he yeah. really genuinely intended it as a yeah. compliment, you know? And so, so it was just like, I, I did, I, it, there's some people that you can then interrogate that a little bit and you're like, um, what makes you think that, you know, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> but in this case, it was just like, we were about to go on stage and it was just like, I'm not going to, I'm just going to let it go. But the curtains uh, are pulled and you guys are like in a cat fight. (laughs) Like, um, but I mean, like, yeah, it's hacking never works. So, you know, it it, it can be gratifying sometimes. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. But anyway, it was just, it was a, it it was a shitty, why am I telling you this story? I can't remember what we were talking about. It's a good story. I I don't care. It totally, it totally ties in. To the visible woman thing. Because, oh, oh, right. oh, that's it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, so people had like a lot of weird ideas about how, that there weren't women who could do this or there weren't women who, you know, another uh, male friend of mine said that uh, women were too smart to want to draw superheroes, which I was like, okay, now you just put me in a no-win situation. <laughs> right. You know? Um, <laughs> women are actually dumb. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> like uh yeah so a lot of stuff like that so so the idea and it was a it was a lark it was a thing I came up with on a Monday morning and I was just like I'm kind of sick of this so today I'm gonna take my Twitter feed and um I want to show my colleagues how many women there are that Mm -hmm. can draw this stuff you know, and not just superheroes. Like if you draw comics and it started with artists. So it was like, if you draw comics, 
I would like to raise your visibility. And the Invisible Woman was the first Marvel superheroine. So there's an <laughs> irony in that. So it's perfect, right? Whenever I'm feeling a little like downtrodden and not very passionate, I just read old Fantastic Four. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck everything. I'm back <laughs> in the saddle. <laughs> Living off spite now. <laughs> there you go. So, um, so yeah, so it was just like, let's let's do this. And, it, and I ended up spending the whole day on it, which I shouldn't have done because I had other work I was supposed to be doing. But it was really great. And so then it was like, okay, this was fantastic. Let's do this again in six months. So then we started, I think it was the second one was, I was a little more organized because now I thought ahead. So the second time we did it, I got an intern to sit on my Twitter feed for the day and do it. And I went and did my work (laughs) and we had a format we asked people to follow. And then we also made a spreadsheet from all of the entries that we caught. It's Twitter. It's an imperfect system. Wait, you actually had binders full of women. Yeah. Yeah. Spreadsheets. Yeah. Spreadsheets full of women. Um, and then we made that spreadsheet available free of charge to any hiring professional in the comic book or publishing industry the next day. And so then we, we sent those out with instructions. And we've been doing that ever since. And it's a few years old now, three or four years old now, I think. Did that eventually become Creators for Creators? That's completely different. That one is the brainchild of David Brothers and uh, Nick Dragota. Um, okay. And that one is, Matt, my husband and I are um, on the board uh, and we were founding funders, but all credit for that one goes to uh, David and Nick. And so that's for unpublished folks to have a chance to have a little bit of financial freedom so that they can finish their work. Oh, wow. Um, So it's a a $35,000 grant to finish your book. And then we'll set you up with some publishers. That's, that's amazing. That's like a, like a, I guess they would call them like angel investors. Yeah, I guess so. But you don't really own anything of it. You're just literally just facilitating it. Yeah. We're not investors at all. It's, 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 it's your money. And I think we're, we theoretically make ourselves available as mentors as well. Wow. Um, But I don't think anybody's ever actually taken me up on that oh wait I did no I did one of the winners had some questions for me about various publishers so okay I did do take a phone call one time yeah so you did it so Cynthia and I well I I I already read a couple of your works I think a couple years ago I had let Cynthia borrow Bitch Planet which I've been raving about since it came out I used to have a craft club that was all women and I was like, we're going to have a book club meetings with the craft club. And oh. I made everyone read it. <laughs> and so then it was, it was like the only book club meeting we had. So I was like, I just really needed to get that out there. <laughs> and we ended up not discussing it. I feel so bad. We ended up, everyone read it. Everyone bought it and read it. And then we all just got drunk in a hot tub. Sweet. There you go. And, and swapped traumas. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> It's got, I feel like it's in theme with the book sure. a little bit. Yes. On brand, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, loved it. I uh, Cynthia borrowed it. Um, and then I think you, I read the first volume of Pretty Deadly. Did you read, uh, it was like a mini series, right? Yeah, The Rat. 
So there's there's three volumes of Pretty Deadly. Mm-hmm. There's okay. volume one is the Shrike. Volume two is the bear. Uh, and then volume three is the rat. Um, and with volume three, we started putting the the subtitle. Well, it's actually the subtitles on volume two as well, but we started using it with volume three because there was, it was so long between when they came out, we had to kind of relaunch. It's, it's, it's like kind of, it felt like a departure from your, your other things too. Pretty deadly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And oddly enough, like it came first, it's very much its own thing. It is the, it has the smallest readership of anything that I do, but it's maybe the most personal work that I do. Mm -hmm. Um, very close to my heart. It's also, it's also kind of the one that I, yeah, personal work is, is, is the best way to put it. I kind of only am really invested in what Emma thinks of it and uh, who's my, my partner that um, draws it. And so it's just, the the script is all about having a sort of, it's a, the whole, all right. So it's conceived as five volumes so the first volume takes place in the Old West. It is, uh, there, there are, all of them are references to different comic genres. Um, mm-hmm. And so this, the first one is the weird Western or the horror Western. Thematically, it asks why death or explores why death. And then it has an embedded storytelling type because they're all, they're all of them stories about stories. In that one, it's, the Cantares Sechega, which is the like songs of the blind. And then in volume two, it's Why Luck. Um, it takes place in the 19 teens in World War One. It's a war comic and uh, the embedded storytelling is a Chinese parable. And then volume three is moves forward in time to the 1930s. In it takes place in Hollywood and it is a uh, noir comic um so a murder mystery um wow. and it's uh white art the fourth one was so they're also all about like the idea the 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 mythology of America so like all of the animals that you see in it are all indigenous to North America and the, the fourth one will go back in time to the Vikings landing in North America it's um why love uh, and it's a romance comic. And then the final volume will come back, will return to the main storyline. Um, it'll take place in the Great Depression and it's Why Hope. So amazing. So good. I, your your brain works in mysterious ways. <laughs> I I am so fascinated with your creative process. Yay. How do you, I mean, it's it's such a loaded question, but like, where does your inspiration come from? How do you even... Um, you just, my husband has the best description of it and it, it, it's, he tries to describe how it works for him. And he says, it's like dipping a stick in honey and running around trying to catch butterflies, but you have to get them in a particular order. Um, that's a writer for you. Yeah. It was just like, that's insane. But I mean, there's something that feels like that's the right answer for him. For me, I think it's, I start following a thing I'm interested in. So it's like pulling on a string and then, and then I'll find like, Oh wait, that string's connected to this other thing I'm interested in. 
oh, and that's connected to this other thing I'm interested in. And then, you know, you sort of, the process of, of learning your craft is figuring out, okay, some of these things I'm interested in are actually belong in other stories. You know, they're not part of this piece. Yeah, so it's just, it's kind of like that, just like poking on or pulling on things. Um, I keep a list of ideas um, that's just like, that's a thing. I don't know what that is. That's a thing I'm interested in. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's called uh, Sweater Threads is just the name of the list. And sometimes it's an image. Sometimes it's an idea like, a you know, what about a story about bleh? You know, or sometimes it's just like <laughs> a picture of, you know, a, a hand coming out of a river of blood or what, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, fun. It's great. Um, and I, I mean, obviously, an interview with you is not complete until we talk about Captain Marvel. <laughs> Yay! So I actually didn't know that much about your background. I think it was actually something that Cynthia had brought up about you being like a an Air Force brat. Yep. So um, obviously, with Carol Danvers um, being a pilot, it helps <laughs> with the with the storyline. What do you? Uh, are any of your personal experiences in the storyline at all? No, I don't think so. And in fact, we had talked about one. I said there's one I talked about with um, with my editor, and he was like, "Oh, we got to get that in the book." And I had always planned to, but there was just never an opportunity to do it. You know, I grew up on Air Force bases, and my dad would swear that I could identify planes by the sound of their engine. Um, like I could be like, oh, that's an F-14 or whatever. And I don't remember being able to do this, but apparently this is the thing he swears up and down that I could do when I was little. Uh, and so we were going to do that. We were going to give Carol that ability and we never did. And also Carol didn't grow up on Air Force bases, so it's not quite the same. Right. Yeah, totally. But yeah, it was, I mean, it was very definitely a helpful aspect of, you know, understanding that culture and, and understanding a lot of the the larger world's misunderstanding of the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this thing that would happen with her as a character where people would hear that. So it's just like, a, a, a like, oh, she's a military woman, right? Mm-hmm. So military woman. Okay, that's the, that's the main characteristic of her. And then they would write her as this joyless, fun wrecker, <laughs> you know, uh, stick up the ass by the books, you know, whatever. And like some of the stuff that she did, and I understand why they had to do this in the kind of larger context of the Marvel universe there, you know, there had to be some bad guys in civil war, but some of the stuff she did in civil war was indefensible, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was, it was like, the first thing was like, all right, if we're going to have her have a book of her own, we got to work on this because she has to be somebody, you know, she's got to be a pilot. She's got to be somebody with some swagger, somebody you can like root for, you know, because you can't, you can't, the fun record can't carry a book. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I'd like to get a book about my mom. You know, <laughs> like, like I love my mom, but I don't want to see my mom superhero. Okay. Maybe I do want to see my mom superhero, but that's a bad example, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, she has to be likable, which is yeah. she can't be Captain Wet Blanket, like Captain Wet yeah. Blanket. <laughs> it was really important to me, and I I had a blast, and I didn't think it stood a chance. Um, 
uh, I was so convinced it was going to get canceled that I only had a plan for the first six issues. And so there's a two issue storyline that's like an aside after the first, after the first uh, trade, there's a two issue, like issue seven and eight or, or a, a side story because I had to buy myself some time to plan what was going to happen next because I didn't think we were going to get that far. <laughs> so I hadn't even bothered to like think of it. I've never, I've never really thought about that, but yeah, you kind of have to like filibuster, right? Yeah. It was, uh, it was like, okay. Well, so, but I mean, it did give me a really great opportunity to address something I wanted to address, which was, uh, that Monica Rambeau had been Captain Marvel first. Yes. Um, and so I really wanted that acknowledged and out there and for them to have a conversation about it, you know, and for Monica to be like, you should have asked. You know, right? yeah, I love that you I love that you did that, too, because I think that even, even though you you did do that and then a lot of uh, comic readers um, are aware of it, I think, uh, you know, pop culturally, people aren't aware of that at all. Yeah, no, it's 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 really important. Yeah. Speaking of Captain Marvel, <laughs> um, yes. I saw the the red carpet pictures of your family <laughs> at the premiere. Can you tell us about that? That must have been so special. It was so fun. Um, yeah, it was really great. And so my involvement with the film, I kind of went in with my dukes up. You know, I was, I was, I didn't have a lot of faith in Hollywood. And I felt like, oh, you know, they want to put my name in the credits and throw me a bone, but they're not going to actually listen to me, you know? And then that was not my experience at all. They were just tremendous. Um, I felt very much a part of the team. I felt very included. Um, yeah, it was it was really a, a genuinely amazing experience, beginning to end. And then they were like, you know, and we want you to come to the premiere and please bring your family. I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, and so, you know, I've been to a lot of premieres before, but I had never been to a premiere and treated like like one of the celebrities, which is what Marvel did for us for that one. Like it was so weird. We had like a minder, you know, and I was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I told my children, I was like, I have to sell you to the circus now because <laughs> I am like this is this is this is peak mom right here. We're done. I'm We're out. Done. Yeah, it was the whole thing was really really incredible, and we had great seats in the theater even like the whole it was just ridiculous like and then I have a cameo in the film which was the only thing I had kept from my children that my children knew we were going to do this they knew I mean I was making them you know go for fittings and stuff so they definitely knew they were doing this uh they knew I'd worked on the film and the whole deal but I they, I managed to keep the cameo from them and so we get there, you know, we're in the movie theater and, um, and I have my son on my right, my daughter on my left. And I'm just like, and we get to the subway scene, I walk by and like a few people in the audience react. My children do not react at all. <laughs> and I turn to my son and I was like, did you see mommy? And he goes, no. And uh, it's just like, all right, well. What? <laughs> Your kids will always bring you down a peg, won't they? Yeah. 
like, guess what, asshole? You're going to have to watch this like 40 more times now. Ha ha ha. Um, Do you bring your kids with you to conventions? Less these days than I used to. Um, But yes, we usually, we, we usually have some time there as a family. Not, not as much as I used to. It's, it's kind of a stressful environment from, from doing, being a vendor's perspective. It is. And, uh, I don't know, there's just like safety issues associated with profiles and stuff. The community is really loving of them though. And I appreciate that. So. I I mean, I, for, for an industry that kind of, you know, basically does cater to kids in the beginning, why wouldn't it still be that, you know? Yeah. And I mean, 99.9% of people are really wonderful. (laughs) 99.9% of comic readers are really wonderful um, (laughs) and very respectful of them. You know, we're, we're a weird kind of famous. We're a very specific kind of famous, like within this one community. Uh, So it's a, it's the sort of thing where like, you're a big deal in this one room, but then you go across the street to get ice cream and you know, you're just somebody's mom. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a weird dynamic. Um, but like, we'll, we'll occasionally get, um, approached by people out in public and it's incredible how kind they are about the kids. Like they will, if, if the children are there, you know, they will say, you know, is it, is it okay? Or I don't want to interrupt your family time or whatever. Everyone's very, very, that's really um, nice. Um, and it, it's, 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 it's super nice and very appreciated. Yeah. And the kids actually love it. So <laughs> it's, so it's very, my, I have two little ham sandwiches. So they're, they're into it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. The best convention story I have with my children though, is Henry Leo when he was about six years old, pulling aside a Harley Quinn cosplayer at Heroes Con. And he was like, excuse me, excuse me. And she thought he wanted to take a picture. So she turned around to like pose with him. And he was like, no, no, um, I just wanted to tell you, you can do better than the Joker. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, so good. I know that boy. like. His heart is so big. Mm. Um, that's, yes. such a, that's such a good representation of like, just a reminder that you're doing a good job as a parent. Yeah, that's a really, you're doing a great job. I have a six-year-old and if he saw Harley Quinn, he'd probably just try and punch her. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Max. I was wearing Harley Quinn shorts the other day and he tried to punch my butt. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was a, a, a Adventure Time reference. He does love Adventure Time. <laughs> yes. Punch your buns. Um, Cindy, do you want to um, round it out with our favorite questions to ask people? Sure, sure, sure. Um, so we've got questions that we pretty much ask everybody. Okay. And uh, here we go. You're not special. Right. You're not special. <laughs> we do, we do, we do, like, we do sometimes change them up. Like depending okay. on who you are, my feelings are hurt. You got to work hard <laughs> to offend me. It's okay. Same, yeah. Um, what's your favorite word? I mean, I know what my favorite curse word is. Yeah, no, I love that. Jackass. Ooh, yeah, jackass. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, 
I don't use it that much anymore. I used to use it a lot. Maggie Estep was my dear friend and I miss her terribly. Maggie at one point said to me, she was like, I think you're the only person I know who uses that word and uses it on the, and we didn't say on the regular then, but you know, like uses it regularly. Uh, anyway, so for some reason I have like a sentimental attachment to Jackass because of Maggie. Yeah. Which makes Aww. no sense, but it makes sense in my head. Makes perfect sense. It's a good sense. sign that you're not using it that often. Yeah. Yeah. Not coming across too many jackasses. <laughs> um, what are you not very good at? Oh, moderation. It's <laughs> a good answer. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? <laughs> Probably teleportation. Uh, just because I, I deeply resent travel time. Hmm. Uh, and I hate being late to things. And so if I could just teleport everywhere, that would take care of a lot of problems for me. Kelly Sue, what three comic books would you recommend? Okay. Um, I'm going to recommend, uh, my favorite thing is monsters, which I assume you have both read probably. Emil Ferris, my favorite thing is monsters. Um, uh, Nicole George Fetch and anything you can find by Emily Carroll. Literally any and all Emily Carroll comics. Nice. Thanks. Um, but especially through the woods. Better right? get those, Cynthia. I know. Yay. I, we've kind of become like a, like, like book pen pals. We send things back and forth. Oh, that's nice. It's cute. pretty cute. And we got to keep the USPS running. <laughs> yeah, no joke, right? State democracy. Ugh. I have so many friends here that work for the post office and they're so mad. Oh, who's so not mad. mad right now? I know. If you're not mad, you're not listening, right? <laughs> That's the same. Everybody, everybody's mad. Even if you're on the wrong side, you're mad. <laughs> true. It's true, God. It's a mad, true. mad world. Ugh. Yes. I, I guess I, I wanted to ask you, you've written for... Uh, you know, some big characters like Captain Marvel and for Aquaman. Are there any like big characters like that that you'd like to write for that you haven't yet that you have your eye on? It's a hard question to answer mm -hmm. uh, because, because you don't ever want anybody to hear you say that you want to write a character and think they're gunning, you're gunning for their job, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but there, there were some that were really important to me the only thing in comics I've ever collected is Lois Lane. Mm -hmm. um, so I got to write a Lois, a couple Lois Lane shorts over the years. And I mean, okay, neither one of them were Lois Lane shorts, but <laughs> I made them into Lois Lane shorts. <laughs> one of them was a Superman short and the other one was a, a Supergirl short, but mm -hmm. I brought Lois in to both of them because why would you not? Right. Uh, you had the opportunity, you took it. Yes. So that was a big deal to me. And then, I, you know, I grew up watching Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was the, I didn't read a Marvel comic until I was a, an adult. So mm -hmm. um, DC Comics were the comics that I was reading grow, growing up. And Wonder Woman was the first one that I read on the regular. And so, so, so there's always been a thing where I wanted to write Wonder Woman, but I also didn't want to write Wonder Woman because I didn't want it to be a thing where like, I never wanted to have my joy compromised with that right. character, you know? Um, so I've kind of gotten to have my cake and eat it too, because I'm doing right now a project I'm very, very excited about, 
with Phil Jimenez, I'm doing a history of the Amazons from the perspective of the Amazons. Okay. So I get to write Wonder Woman, but she's sort of on the periphery of it. It's Mm -hmm. more about the society that she came from and her mother. So as we get further into it, she'll become a more, a bigger part of it. But Mm -hmm. right now she's just kind of on the fringes of it, but it's, it's great because I I'm getting to write this thing without ever having the possibility of compromising my feelings about the character. Right. That's awesome. Kelly Sudaconic, we really appreciate you being on and just being the most charming lady with bangs in the room. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I told I feel I feel I feel like we would hang out in real life. If oh, people totally. are ever allowed to hang out in real life again, we'll have to do that. Yes, I would adore that. And I would definitely not tell all my friends and brag about it. <laughs> <laughs> Over the moon that you agreed to do this means so much to us. And um you're awesome. Thank you. Yay. Well, thank yeah. you. I'm trying to cut back on these things, but mm-hmm. like, I was like, oh no, I totally want to do that one. We did it. We did. Thank you so much to our guest, Kelly Sue DeConnick. What a delight. God, I love her. You can find Kelly Sue on Facebook at Kelly Sue DeConnick, on Twitter at Kelly Sue, and on Instagram at Kelly Sued. And hey, while you're on the internet, check out our website, mastersoftheobvious.com for news and merch. You can also find us on Instagram at Masters of the Obvious, Facebook at Masters of the Obvious, and Twitter at Masters of the O. Please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and leave a glowing review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you for listening, and we love you. Unless you've been leaving rude comments underneath my Zodiac post. Listen, the Aries are holding in the show.